You're going to like the way you look. We guarantee it. What is that? Jared? Men's yeah. Warehouse. Men's Warehouse. Oh, Jared, the Gallery of Jewelry. No, that's not it. <laughs> You're wrong. Hey, Christina, you know that every kiss begins with K. You're right. Do you know how long it took me to realize that, like, the word kiss begins with K and that's where that came from? Like, are you serious? Yeah, it took me forever. <laughs> like, just like, I'm kid, I'm telling you, like, two years ago, maybe. <laughs> like, went, like, I just found out as an adult, like, an, as a, an a adult. matured adult. <laughs> what that meant like I was like every kiss begins with K and I was like oh because they got engaged so then they kiss and I'm like no that's all of a sudden hey the word kiss begins with K oh my gosh look Uh, at that um 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 all right so episode 76 what's up guys Hey guys, it's Christina and Amanda, and this is I'm sorry what the podcast. I'm sorry, what? What? <laughs> oh fucking! Oh god! god. Sorry guys. <laughs> oh god! Oh boy! So after seventy five, the brain was gone. You know? Yeah. So now we just sound stupid while we're on. Now it's gonna take us like two episodes to get back into like normalcy normalcy i mean as normal as we get which is not very normal so it probably won't take us that long actually (laughs) (laughs) got him uh yeah so my week was dumb all i did was work i have nothing funny to say except for (gasps) except for i've had a fucking headache all week because i had a migraine on sunday Mm -hmm. like I couldn't see out of one eye migraine, like could yep. not function mongrain. Um, and so then all of the rest of this week I've had like, it's like I've been on the verge of another migraine, but it's not quite getting to a migraine. I call that my migraine hangover. Hangover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like just one bright flash of light's going to send me into another migraine. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and on Wednesday, Wednesday, I slammed my fucking head <laughs> into a shelf and I have like a fist sized bruise on the top of my fucking head and just this big ass welt. And so my dad the other day was like, how's your head? And I'm like, it fucking hurts. And I don't know if it's because I'm on the verge of another migraine or because I rang my fucking bell and I've got a contusion in my brain. <laughs> uh, and he said that picture. I'm like, hey, ouch. Hey. And he was like laughing at me, and I'm like, "It's not fucking funny, Thomas." And then I probably hurt myself. And then I wake up in the morning, and he's like, "What's on your forehead?" And I'm like, "That's from where I fucking hit." That's where I hit my head. I wasn't joking. It fucking hurt. (laughs) (laughs) That's all that happened to me this week. So very exciting stuff. I just I had uh, an emotional breakdown (laughs) a little bit. I I just had a meltdown and. Then I got a migraine on Thursday, the day that I, like, left, well, got out of work early. Mm-hmm. I came home to, I was going to take a nap before I had to, like, kick down on the research because I hadn't gotten a chance to even research yet. And I couldn't fall asleep, got a migraine, ended up having to go to sleep. It was supposed to have seminar, but then they crashed their site, so... Uh, that's when I did my research because 
they had a whole bunch of people well they had a lot more people on the seminar stuff than they were expecting because mm-hmm. they did like an estimated number of how many people had registered yeah yeah before yeah. registration was closed or whatever mm-hmm. so they didn't get enough bandwidth they didn't, yeah so uh she crashed so we didn't get our like uh opening stuff but it's okay like <laughs> i said to because my director like posted and i was like you know i'm not too mad about it selfishly i have to finish my research so <laughs> after i like took some meds and chugged some water i tried to squeeze out as much research as i could and then finished it at four in the morning the next day oh sounds fucking terrible <laughs> all but, right well now that we've told you about our shitty ass weeks where nothing right? exciting happened should we right. our stories we live life like normal people <laughs> fucking a fucking <laughs> fucking a fucking shit okay so i've got a story for you i'm and ready and you're gonna like it i'm gonna cite my sources on this one because normally when i do research i like pull like little bits of information from like 30 different places because there's usually a shit ton of like research i can do mm-hmm. and um so i don't like really cite because i it's like 90 different things that i found on it on this one i literally could only find this one article and then old newspapers from the 1920s so i really don't have a lot of sources but i have to cite this one one because the name of the post is fucking amazing and is really good really good really well written so um I got it out of the Dark Corners of History, which is a website. Mm -hmm. It's mine. Don't steal it. It's got a whole bunch of stories on it. And then the- Is it yours? Did you create it? It's not mine, but I found it. So fuck off. (laughs) So you literally can't do anything if I do choose something from it. (laughs) It's true. Um, And then the writer is Tobin T. Buck, I think. But the name of the article, which is just the best, is called- the high price of beaver (laughs) beaver does come at a high price as long as it's high quality (laughs) so with that being said let me tell you this story on the morning of january 8th 1920 a brakeman on a train crossing the bridge crossing a bridge noticed what looked like a heap of wait oh yeah this is in rochester new york sorry um what looked like a heap of flesh partially covered by snow so as soon as the train pulled into Rochester, he contacted Sheriff Andrew Widerman, um, who thought the report warranted an investigation because a heap of flesh. There's a heap of flesh on the <laughs> railway. Um, so Widerman and two deputies reported to the spot, um, and they assumed it was a homeless person or a drunken like idiot who had passed out and froze to death. But as they stepped closer, they realized that that was not the case. So the corpse was only in its bloodstained underwear. And the face of the corpse had been literally shredded. Both of the ears had been nearly hacked off and were dangling from the victim's head. I'm not enjoying this. I'm enjoying Amanda's face. Sorry, I sound really Ew. happy about this. The ha- it's gross. It's just gross. <laughs> the hair was greased with thick, clotted blood indicating that the assailant bashed the victim in the head sometime during the attack and that they were the description clotted blood grosses me out sorry (laughs) 
there was also a series of stab wounds uh, along the victim's neck. Uh, and then there was about eight more wounds on the left side of the victim's chest and a large gash across the abdomen, which exposed the intestines. Yeah. So when he said a heap of flesh. It was legitimately just like a ripped apart body flopped yes. over. Uh! So the damage to the victim actually suggested a wild animal attack. Mm-hmm. But the handcuffs around the victim's wrist left no doubt that it was an actual murder. Mm-hmm. So the lack of blood in the snow indicated that the body had been moved from the site of the attack. Mm-hmm. So after surveying the scene, the detectives discovered at the top of the railroad trestle footprints leading into the forest and drag marks. Okay. So they believe the killer had dragged the corpse from the crime scene and threw it over the edge of the railroad trestle. Okay. Uh, the footprints led along... Uh, the Genesee Valley Canal, which is I've already is done it the Genesee. Genesee, Genesee. We're gonna argue this argument again. No, Genesee is wrong. <laughs> I know it's Genesee. <laughs> I know none the of this Genesee- potato potato shit. You're wrong. <laughs> so the Genesee Valley Canal for about 500 feet, and then it led them to a tree surrounded in blood. Oh. So footprints around the tree suggested two killers. A large, larger and smaller footprints led to the belief that it had been a man and a woman. All right. Okay. So what kind of in, satanic shit were they doing? In the snow around the tree, there were two more pieces of evidence. One was a pieces of a thirty-two revolver. So not the actual gun, just pieces of it. So they pulled it apart. No. No. And a heel from a woman's shoe ma'am they didn't have any indication on the victim of who it was um and any other evidence made the case hard to solve but then a break in the case came when detectives received a phone call from a cabbie who had a very strange story to tell okay okay so here sorry so he had received a call from detective from a detective arnold whose car broke down arnold said he needed help transporting a prisoner and a young woman oh suspicious the the cabbie called police headquarters and spoke to a detective who had never heard of a detective arnold but thought he was probably a private detective and he suggested that the cabbie take the job but report if anything weird happened okay i mean yeah so um the detectives brought the cabbie charles Scherer in for questioning and he explained that he had picked up three passengers detective arnold a young woman and a handcuffed man and took them to a crossroads on the outskirts of the city then the detective told him to stop he collected his fare and drove off not suspecting any foul play um the handcuffed man said he didn't didn't say a thing during the entire ride so he just assumed that detective arnold's business was legitimate but he did write down the cab number or the tag number on the stolen or on the stalled vehicle okay so police brought the cat uh sharer to the morgue in an attempt to identify the body as the handcuffed man he uh the mutilations made it hard for the cabbie to say for certain but he thought it was the prisoner that was in the back of his car okay so a missing persons report 
so the 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 news of his death like had hit the news and then a missing persons report was filed for rochester native edward neep who dropped out of sight he disappeared around the time sharer took his strange that fair into the woods basically right so detectives you know looked contacted whoever had reported the missing persons on neep and they were able to tie the body to richard neep or edward neep edward neep sorry so the report on the plate that they ran came back as the car having belonged to a james odell who was a 20 year old man machinist who had less than a month earlier married 19 year old pearl beaver Pearl! Police were also able to determine that Edward Neep was pre- the previous love interest of one Pearl Beaver. Oh, uh, okay. So, we, got, and, we have a triangle. And Pearl was described as being like extremely beautiful, very voluptuous, very. Uh, it, for 1920s, you know what I mean? I was like, does that sound like anybody you know? <laughs> Put your tongue back in your mouth. That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So detectives went to talk to the Odell couple at their home and then arrest them when they arrived at their home in their house. There was a stack of packed suitcases and that it looked like they were in a rush to run. Like they were in a run. Okay. So the police brought them to the police station for questioning and they were placed in separate floors or separate cells that were a floor apart. So there was multiple levels and they were separated. Okay. So they questioned James O'Dell first. And it was the district attorney, William F. Love and Sheriff Andrew Weideman. Weideman? Weideman um, okay. were questioning them. O'Dell admitted to impersonating a detective and kidnapping Neep right away. Oh. Um, he stated his motive was rage that came from something pearl told him when they he first asked pearl to marry him according to odell pearl rejected his marriage proposal because she wasn't a virgin and essentially characterized herself as damaged goods oh so she said that she had been raped by neep when she was 15 okay but pearl refused to describe the alleged assault in any detail okay he insisted, Odell said he loved Pearl despite her past and agreed to marry him, and they wed on December 15, 1919. After they were married, Pearl stated that Neep had once had put, continued to push her for sex, but she wanted to wait until they were married, which was what was expected at the time. Mm-hmm. And Pearl claimed that Neep, impatient, drugged a box of chocolates he gave to Pearl and then raped her. Okay. After the incident, Neep then agreed to marry Pearl after she and she continued to see him until he began to propose what Pearl characterized as unnatural things and slapped her around when she refused. Oh, okay. So she broke off the relationship in June, but Neep wouldn't let go. He continued to harass her even after she met Odell and at one point threatened to tell Odell about their affair. Their affair in question quotation marks so pearl um, became really depressed and threatened suicide and she told odell about neep's threat which enraged him basically right okay he went to the rochester police judge 
and asked about the possibility of having Neat prosecuted for rape, but the judge explained that without corroboration, Pearl's story was just a story. A confession the judge told Odell would provide the needed corroboration. So Odell decided he was going to get that confession, even if he had to force it out of him. Odell. Odell, come on. Odell! So, he stated it was relatively easy to get too neat he just knocked on his door and flashed a fake badge at him and told him he was going to be charged for assault when neep asked who he told him pearl beaver uh and then pro odell posing as detective arnold cuffed him and pushed him into the waiting car and neep immediately recognized pearl odell sitting in the car as well all right so he said he took neep to the home of his step parents the arnolds where neep admitted to having sexual intimacy with the underage Pearl on numerous occasions, but refused to say more and asked to be taken to the courthouse where he could tell his side of the story. So they put Neep into the car. Pearl got into the car and Odell started driving when Neep said he had to piss. And at which point Odell pulled over, warned his prisoner not to use such language in front of a lady. And according to Odell, Neep shrugged and said, course, language didn't matter to a little whore. Oh no, Neep. Which kind of pushed Odell over the edge, and he said he he admitted that at that point he planned on taking him into the woods where the little whore could teach him a lesson, but the car broke down. Okay. So then he called a taxi. Right. Taxi picked him up. Um, Neep, who was unaware that Detective Arnold was actually Pearl's husband, didn't suspect a thing at this point. A few minutes later, the cab pulled up. Arnold put his prison pulled the prisoner. He pulled Neep, put him in the back of the cab, and then handcuffed Pearl to Neep, and then got in the cab with Shara in the front seat. So I don't know why the fuck he did that. Maybe so to make sure Neep didn't try to escape or something. Maybe. So then he told the taxi to stop and that the justice of the peace was just a short walk away, that this was close enough. So he paid the fare and dismissed him after pulling Neep and Pearl out of the car. When the taxi was out of sight, Odell pulled a 32 revolver out of his coat pocket and forced him and forced Neep at gunpoint to walk along Mosquito Point Road until they reached the Genesee Canal bed. And then they tied him up to a tree and Odell claimed that he didn't struggle at all. Odell then stated that he went to his wife and said, Pearl, if that man ever wronged you, now is your chance to finish him. He caused you many heartaches and much suffering. So then Odell described Pearl basically going into a frenzied attack where she pulled out a long bladed file. So one of those big ass like metal. Uh, like an files. emery board. What? Like an emery board. Yeah, but one or of the like, like the big ass metal ones that you use for like filing. Oh, metal. okay. Yeah. So like a long bladed, like it was like three feet. Like a big ass. They're like giant emery boards, but they use them for metal. So they're very heavy duty. It was nearly two feet in length. The And it was the type they used to stir coals in a furnace or a fireplace. And she had it concealed in her coat this whole time. And at the sight of that is when uh, Neep started to panic. And so they think that's where like the cuts on his wrist from the handcuffs came. Because he was trying to oh, get out. Oh, yeah. Him. Oh, did she file his face? She's, she beat him with it. That's why his face was shredded and, like, in pieces. Ah, no! Yes. So. (laughs) I hate it. 
once Pearl was done, they unhooked him from the tree. He collapsed to the ground. And Neep, or Odell hit Neep with the butt of the revolver, which broke the revolver, which is why there are pieces of the revolver. And then they left Neep for dead, but they forgot about an incriminating letter. So it was like the signed, they had some type of letter that Neep had. I don't know if it was like a love letter if it was the the um confession that they made him sign or something but okay. they forgot about that so they came back to where the body w- where neep was left and he said that neep sprung up at that time struck him and pearl came from behind and began to beat him with the file again and then neep collapsed to the ground and then they odell said he smashed a large chunk of hickory into nell's head or neep's head just to make sure that he was dead why didn't he just shoot him with the revolver? Because they already broke it over his head. Yeah, but why didn't they do that in the first place if the whole point was to leave him for dead? I Instead of just knocking him in the noodle and then being like, well, guess that's good enough. Knocking him in the noodle. Oh. Okay, so once Odell was done with his statement, the detectives took James Odell's statement to the second floor, so where a pearl was being head- held and read it to her. Pearl insisted the crime was a joint effort at first. She said, if my husband goes to the electric chair, I will too. But then she quickly changed her claim, saying she did it alone. Pearl then gave her own statement. She said, according to her, she met Edward Neep when she was 15 years old, and Neep wouldn't take no for an answer. He was five years older than her at the time and raped her. She claimed that they didn't intend to murder him. They simply wanted to humiliate Neep. And once he was cuffed to the tree, she began taunting him. But then remembering the rape, she lost her temper and attacked him with the long file. She said, when I hit him on the head with the file out there, I said to him, you're to blame for my downfall. You would have made a a woman of the streets out of me. So in that, in her frenzy, she repeatedly slashed Neep in the face with the, the file. And then she hacked away slices of flesh from his head, forehead and face that i i don't know what to do with that information it's an overload for my brain right now <laughs> i'm so uncomfortable with all of the visuals so the district attorney uh love was astonished because she had when she recited this there was no emotion in pearl's tone like she was just it was like she was reading the newspaper. It just, you know, I just like ripped his face apart. Not a yeah, deal. exactly. Ugh, okay. uh, so she said that when she struck Neep across the face with the file, even in the darkness, she could see the mark the blow made. Okay, that's a little sadistic sounding. Yeah. Even in the darkness, I could see the mark the blow made. So then in her part of the story, she said that once she was done, her Neep slumped down and James unlocked the cuffs. And then at that point, Neep came to his senses and threw himself at James and like attacked James. Okay, so similar, just they didn't go away and then come back. Right. She Um, said that her husband and him were fighting. She said that Neep battered and bloody had James by the throat and was squeezing so tightly that his eyes bulged. So then she repeatedly hit Neep over the head again with the file. So similar, but not, it's almost like she made it like, we weren't going to kill him, but then he attacked my husband and I killed him. They then stripped him, dragged him to the train trestle and threw his body over the side. So. All right. (laughs) So. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's that on that oh god but the detectives didn't believe that because based they didn't even believe that when they came back he attacked him because 
based on the evidence at the crime scene and the injuries to Neep, they believe all of the injuries were inflicted while he was handcuffed to the tree. And then they watched as he died of his wounds. And that's and then they unhooked him and dragged him and threw him over. Oh, because there was no self-defense anything? Well, that, right. And guess. the detectives believed that it was unlikely Neep could even stand after sustaining the injuries he had, let alone have enough strength to attack. To stand up and attack, yeah. Right. So the detectives did have, this part kind of annoyed me. But I guess it was the Times. The detectives had doubts that Neep raped Pearl in the first place. Uh, he had interviewed Pearl's sister, Eva, until she, and until she married Odell, Pearl lived for a time with Eva and her husband. Okay. Eva described her younger sister as a wild child who was always rather wild and they could never do anything with her. She said she got to going out every night and my husband and I used to try to keep her home but she would never mind us. We finally had to tell her to leave the house. So she finally like got kicked out of her sister's house for being kind of a party girl. Right. As much as you can in the 1920s. I don't know, man. She showed a, she showed a little too much ankle. <laughs> I don't know, man. They got crazy back in the yeah. day. It just was underground. Right. But if she was 15 and Neep was 20. That's still statutory, but at the time it wasn't. Right. But to me, that's rape no matter what. Like she was a child. In but, the 20s, though, they, like, would marry them at oh, 15 I, to people that were older. I suppose. That's, I was like, that was not an unpracticed thing. I mean, it was uh, more but, uncommon in the 20s than it was in, like, in the 1800s. They would force a girl to marry her rapist. Which I don't think is right either. But, I'm just yeah. saying that at the time, it wasn't, like, the fact that... He forced it. Yes, that is raped, but they didn't look at it as a statutory rape type yeah. thing, even if it was to be consensual in any way. Yeah. Yeah. So. Unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so dis disturbing and uncomfortable. Right. So other aspects of the confession didn't add up. By the, the tree, police found the pieces of that broken 32 that were streaked with blood and massive skull fractures neat sustained they believe resulted when he was pistol whipped so savagely that they broke the weapon over his head so that was like what odell said is that right the detectives were also to kind of corroborate their own theories when speaking with odell's step parents ellen and george arnold with whom the pearl and james lived um, the elderly couple stated that they eavesdropped on james conversation with neep at mm -hmm. their house when he was pretending to be detective arnold um they heard him ask did you wrong her the arnolds then heard a muffled no from neep who asked to be taken to the courthouse to tell his side of the story they left at approximately 6 30 on the evening of wednesday january 7th 1920 so they said that neep denied having raped pearl mm -hmm. and then demanded to be taken to the courthouse Right. Um, Ellen Arnold told the police that James and Pearl returned home at about 1.30 on Thursday morning, and they be immediately began scrubbing blood from their hands, and Pearl burned her shoes and clothes. After and they didn't, like, ask questions? Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're like, yeah, they came back, and they started scrubbing blood off themselves, and we were like, hey, guys, what's going on? <laughs> so, after watching that, Ellen followed Pearl into her bedroom, where she watched um, they asked Pearl like what was going on what happened as she started packing her clothes and then Pearl sat on the edge of the bed and stated that they took Neep to the woods in order to teach him a lesson but Neep got free and was choking James and at that point Pearl attacked Neep battering him over the head so 
She said that in the fight, she stabbed and kicked Neep with such ferocity that she broke the heel of her shoe. She insisted to her step-parents that James played no part in the attack, um, and she's told him that she did it all alone. Okay. So that's the second time that she's claimed that James, I think she was trying to protect James. Yeah, I'm I'm just imagining this little 19-year-old girl. Yeah being able to contain the situation without you know without being stopped by him if he was like no that's not what we're doing or you know helped by him in any way right okay once they had gotten all those interviews and information and they corroborated their theories the district attorney charged both james and pearl with first degree murder so in april of 1920 james odell's trial came with some controversy they described over what they they discussed as his mental age so when he left the navy after a three-year stint the commanding officer noted that he was mentally deficient psychologist who examined him said that he did not have any aggressive personality but rather a passive one which made him very susceptible to suggestion and being manipulated yeah okay but um they still he still faced a jury for first degree murder pearl testified but since she faced indictment as well she stopped her testimony at the point odell's car stalled she wouldn't provide any like wouldn't answer any questions about what happened after the car stalled like to defend him or anything because she didn't want to incriminate herself right so He took the stand and recited basically the same story he gave to the detectives with one exception. He stated that when Neep unexpectedly regained consciousness and throttled Odell, um, he lost, Odell himself lost consciousness. And when he came to, Neep was dead. His skull, um, that Pearl had actually killed him in like with it, like beating his head in and everything. Right. So that he didn't hit him with the hickory. Pearl did it. He had passed out. He also swore that it was never their intention to kill him. The jury did not believe a word of it, and they found Odell guilty. He was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to death by the electric chair at the age of 23. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say that it wasn't premeditated when she's carrying around a a fucking file that's two feet long in her coat. (laughs) I know. (laughs) <laughs> was this just to scare him you could do that with just like a little tiny knife you could that do that with just gun. like a pocket knife you could do it with the gun right it wasn't like, loaded like mm. so the in the courtroom the like bailiff allowed james to speak with his wife one last time before he was going to jail and they james gave pearl a hug and said well pearl I did as you told me to, and now look what I got. And and there. So there were quite a few critics in the trial's outcome uh, and Odell's death sentence. Uh, one included the Rochester chief of police, Joseph Quigley. Quigley believed that Pearl used her new husband to take revenge on a man that jilted her. And kind of, kind of what it seems like to me. And like, don't worry, I'll take the blame. I'm just a cute little girl. I'll get away yeah. with it. That sort of thing. So he is quoted as saying, Odell will go to the electric chair, but will the wife, will she? Quigley believed in his, he also stated that, I believe that this young woman murdered her former sweetheart because she still loved him and wanted revenge for being jilted and because she did not love her husband. Her love for Neep, I believe, was so great that she did not want anyone else to ever have him. She was, because he had jilted her and 
married because she had decided she would never be married to the man she loved, but she did not forget him. So I don't necessarily agree with that. Right. But I could see it at the same time. I don't agree with it, but I can see where it was your first love as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was literally only four years ago for her. Yeah. So it's like, but also seems like a far-fetched big thing to happen over something so not minor but something so like regular that other people go through well it wouldn't be yeah but it wouldn't be minor then because if she had sex with him and it was willing expecting him to marry her and then he refused to marry her she really in that day and age would not have married anyone she would have not been able to marry anyone because no one would used so then she had to come up with a story like to say yeah, it wasn't me. consensual i yeah. didn't want to do it yeah so so quickly question whether or not she would go to the electric chair because that's what they were going for for first degree mm-hmm. murder um however as she awaited her trial pearl began to experience periodic bouts of nausea oh she'd be pregnant huh uh-huh so dr max morris confirmed that um she was pregnant so for new that the news of her pregnancy um she would obviously they wouldn't charge her with the electric chair because she was pregnant she right that got her out of it but then she'd also basically lose her baby mm-hmm. so her trial began on may 26 1920 um, and was a media sensation many who followed the case predicted that pearl would receive a hand slap by a jury that wasn't likely to send a pregnant woman waddling to prison for life uh, but they were wrong after listening mm-hmm. to the same story that put james on death row the jury which consisted of 12 men agreed that the murder of edward neep was a joint effort and although they went slightly lighter on pearl they found her guilty of second degree murder for her role in the crime pearl would receive a life sentence of hard labor and her sentence would potentially last until 1935 okay so during her second week in prison, she gave birth to a daughter named Gloria. She later actually changed her name, though, to Mildred Naomi at James's request, becoming only the second woman in the state's history to deliver a child while incarcerated. Uh, prison officials, following state law, transported her to a nearby hospital for the actual delivery. Um, and then there was increasing pressure of the public, uh, when pri- so prison authorities agreed to allow baby Mildred to remain with her mother for the first two years of her life. So baby, she would spend the first phase of her life behind bars in prison while Pearl nursed her from her cell in Auburn prison. Okay. Then um, there was a battle of custody between the Odell and the Beaver families. Oh, shit. Both of whom wanted custody of the baby. Uh, New York authorities faced the difficult decision of choosing a custodial parent from among the families. So instead, they just said, nope, neither of you get her. She's going to foster care. We'll just cut her in half. We're going to yeah. do the, the what is it, king? One of those kings. I don't fucking One of those remember. kings. And they're like, no, don't. So then you're the rightful baby mama. No, they went, no, we're going to send you into a 1920s foster care because that's much we're, better. We're just going to throw you into a house with about 25 other kids that also aren't eating or anything <laughs> right now. So um, good luck. <laughs> So Pearl went back to her life of hard labor, which meant she had to stitch garments on an assembly line in a prison factory. Okay. (laughs) So James O'Dell would never get to hold his baby or see her in real life, but prison authorities did allow him to receive a photograph, which he 
propped up the picture and stared at it um, in prison for the, until he was killed. On April 28th, 1921, he was sent to the electric chair in the death chamber. And even at the, he maintained his innocence, uh, telling the prison chaplain, we only took Neepelt there to punish him. Uh, he went, when he was buried, the photograph of his daughter was placed on his chest. Um, once they removed Mildred and placed her with a foster family to avoid entanglements, they refused to disclose the identity of the child's guardians. Friends of Pearl began a campaign for her parole so she could begin a life anew with her daughter. They gathered a 10,000 signature petition and brought it to the New York governor, requesting a co- commutation of her sentence. However, he would not approve it. Okay. Um, in 1929, the Arnolds, Mildred's step-grandparents, attempted to press government officials to disclose the identity of the Guardians. They believed that Mildred had been adopted by none other than baseball legend George Herman or Babe Ruth. Oh, really? <laughs> and his wife, who had recently died in a house fire and had left a sizable inheritance of $50,000 to their daughter, Gloria Ruth. So they were just like, hey, she has a lot of money. I think that's our... Well, also, and her name was Gloria, which is what her mother named her, and then they changed it to Mildred. Mm-hmm. And they, a photo of Mildred and a photo of Gloria, they were like uncannily the same. Mm-hmm. They looked exactly alike. So they really did believe that that was their granddaughter. Um, but there, there was a media frenzy where they were showing the pictures and believing that those child, that his adopted child may have been the Mildred's. Mm-hmm. Or Mildred's Pearl's daughter. Um, they filed suit, but finally a Rochester ju- judge denied it based on the argument that they, as step grandparents, really had no legal standing in court for the custody of them. Yep. But because there was still so much like media frenzy and speculation, um, the Auburn warden who helped place the child, uh, issued a press statement saying Babe Ruth's daughter is not the child of Pearl O'Dell. Pearl O'Dell's child was placed in the comfortable home of a childless middle-aged couple in another state. She is there and is happy. Okay. So eight more years passed uh, and on December 23rd, 1930, Pearl um, received a pardon or not a pardon, but a commutation of her sentence from Governor Franklin D. Roosevelt. Oh, okay. Uh, he commuted Pearl's sentence to 20 to life, explaining that the death of Mildred's guardian, because her guardians that they placed her with died, uh-huh. had swayed him. It would be advisable, he told the press, to parole this inmate so that she can take care of her child, who is now 10 years of age. Uh, he commuted the sentence of 18 others, but Pearl was the only woman to receive ex- executive clemency. Interesting. Yep. So as she approached 30, she spent Christmas of 1930 with her 10 year old daughter and then she kind of just faded into obscurity no one really knows about more about what happened to her life that's so weird to me when people are in these big like not even if they're like the killers like that one that i did where that guy came from washington was in california Mm -hmm. and he was like a big suspect of this killing but he clearly didn't do it but then when he went home they were just like no one really knows what happened like they were such a big thing for a moment, but it was just a flash in the pan and all of a sudden they're gone. So weird. Strange. So I'm going to end it with 
a quote from the newspaper about the killing, which stated, no murder so strange, so ferocious, so stamped with woman's unleashed vengeful fury as this Rochester tragedy is on the records of the American police. It is true after all, as Kipling wrote, which was a poet, the female of the species is more deadly than the male. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I mean. Story of Pearl Beaver Odell. Beaver. Murder of Edward Neep. And the price of beaver. (laughs) The price of beaver. The uh, high price of beaver. (laughs) Such a good title. Just playing on that word beaver. (laughs) Beaver. Did you like that? Yeah, that was interesting. I'd never heard of it. Me neither. Totally fucked up. It is. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, what in the heck? I wonder if Odell didn't really plan on killing him. They were just going to mm-hmm. take him out, and Pearl literally did go crazy. See, and like, that's can what you I imagine wonder. him handcuffing him to a tree? And then going, okay, do what you need to do. And she whips out this two foot long file and just frenzies kills. And he's like, You're like, bitch, I bitch, thought you were I just going to yell at him and maybe hit him with your hand a few times. Bitch, I did not sign up for mutilation. <laughs> I have a, my friend slash one of my Mary Kay people, her, she just started listening to the podcast. And the first one she listened to was the bomber. She goes, I didn't know there was a bomber from Pine Island. <laughs> it's like, I mean, she doesn't actually sound like that, but. Is that what she sounds like? I didn't no. know there was a bomber from Pine Island. No, but we had this conversation and I was like, what other like semi-local things do people maybe not know about? Right. So this is how I found this little tale Ooh, the disappearance of brandon swanson have you heard about it maybe he tell me more is like our age so it well he is our age if he's still alive but it's all very weird so i'm gonna tell you about that uh brandon swanson was born january 30th of 1989 uh he lived in Marshall, Minnesota, which is only about maybe 13,000 people. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not big. And it's, it's surrounded by a little a, town. Right. And it's surrounded by little towns that are like a couple thousand each. Um, right. And they all kind of just, yeah. And there's a few of them that like go to school in Marshall. So they all kind of know each other. Yeah. Or they just like combine the schools. Um, he, his, so I think his dad's name is Brian, but one of my things said Brad. So I'm just going to say Brian. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I'm sorry if it's wrong. Um, but he, he, his dad and his mom are Brian and Annette, and he had a sister. Okay? okay. So they're just like a normal Minnesota family living in a smaller town, very tight knit community. Um, from all accounts, uh, when it comes to his family, Brandon was very, he was average, he was smart, he was loving, he did normal, like, teenage boy stuff, but he was a really smart kid, you know, he was really interested into science, he enjoyed video games, just a normal high school student. Uh, Brandon went to Marshall High and had lots of friends. 
he then went to the Minnesota West Community and Technical College, which was about 30 minutes away from his house in Camby, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, when he was 19, while going to college and through high school, he worked at High V. Like, this is all stuff that I'm like, I feel like I know this kid. Right. You know what I mean? So it kind of creeps me out, this whole thing. So he was... According to his friends, he was very dedicated, motivated, a kid that, like, stuck to his word. If he said he was going to do something, he did it. Very responsible. Um, He was studying wind science and, like, turbines at school. And he planned to, after finishing this school year, go to Iowa um, Western Community College, transfer there so he can transfer to Iowa State uh, to get a bachelor's in this, like, wind this turbine technology stuff. So, uh, sorry, I got ahead of myself. (laughs) So when he was to that next year, when he was going to move to Iowa, it was his first time like living on his own, doing all his own things. Cause right now he, he was just living at his parents' house and driving that 30 minutes to go to school. Yeah. Uh, his year wrapped up on the 13th of May. And they, his plan, his friends and him had planned to like do an end of year party. Goodbye to the people that are, cause some of his friends were also going elsewhere. So they were just kind of doing like a end of the year shindig, um, to celebrate the year finishing and kind of saying bye to everybody who was planning to move and do stuff. Right. So he went to his friend's house in Lint, which is another tiny town near there. Uh, only had, was like 15 minutes away excuse me, I have heartburn, so (laughs) everything feels like it's, like, bubbling up. Gross. I know, I can't help it. I got Tums in my purse, but I don't want to get up, so. (laughs) So y'all just deal with it. (laughs) Uh, So it was, like, 15 minutes away, according to Google Maps, because I just looked up these different, like, towns. She Googled. Googled. I Googled it. It was worth a Google. It's worth the Google. (laughs) So, this, like, party was more of like a five six people got together and they more like a hangout yeah it was just like a let's get together and yeah 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 do shit yeah we can um, on, on, on. there was alcohol there but his friends said that the they only saw brandon drink one drink but again you just never really know but they only saw him drink one drink so they're like he wasn't like intoxicated by any means at the house right um they also said that he seemed very normal. Like his friends said that he was just yeah. like a normal, okay. He was just his normal self. He had a drink and that was it. Because then at like 1030, really early in the night, if you're thinking about like parties, mm-hmm. um, at 1030, he left that house to go to a different gathering someplace else, which was a little bit bigger. Um this one was in, oh, I didn't write down the ta- the name, but it was 30 minutes away in another, like, small town, but it was the country. Okay. Um, so, it, he drove to this party, and it's super familiar, easy drive, same route he took every day to go to school, so he was really comfortable on it, so it wasn't a huge deal in his you know you would think it wasn't a big deal to drive there after having a beer right like it you know 
didn't think anything of it. Not saying it, you should drink and drive at all, but he didn't think anything of it. Back roads, easy. Right. So he got there about 11 o'clock-ish, and his friend said that they watched him take a shot of whiskey, and that's the only drink they know that he took. Um, but still, again, he didn't seem intoxicated. Um, they don't know, though. Mm-hmm. So he was there a bit longer at this party, so I wouldn't be surprised if he had another drink, but that's the only one anybody knew of is they took a shot all as a group and didn't see him with a drink at all the rest of the night. Yeah. Um, he left there after midnight, so it was between 12, 1230. Uh, again, very comfortable drive to get back home, an everyday thing. So he took the back roads. This is what makes me think maybe he was a little intoxicated and knew it. So he was taking like the back roads home. Yeah. Yeah. Not super driven roads so that there there were less likelihood of running into a cop. Which is, Um, that's normal behavior for. (laughs) Right. For a teenager who knows the area and Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. So he took the back roads, Um, whether he was drunk or not, buzzed, whatever. These roads were very unlit and um, very dark, so they were hard to follow if you didn't know them really well. Also, Brandon was legally blind in one of his eyes, and he wore glasses, but at night, didn't really make much of a difference. Mm-hmm. So he, they think that might have uh, been an issue at one point. So at some point, he tried to turn into a field like road one of those field entries mm-hmm. and it's so funny because i'm For sure those there's people, people that aren't used to rural yeah. <laughs> all of the fields have a field entrance or multiple field entry points where mm-hmm. you can drive your truck or your tractor down in where the ditch is lifted up so it's just like a little tiny mm-hmm. it's not paved it's not usually even graveled it's just yep. a spot of land that's about the width of a car uh-huh that you or- can it's almost like a real road where it goes in between two fields. Right. So they can just down into it. But it's not, yeah, it's not like a through. Right. It goes about like maybe 10 yards in and stops. But it's not, it's not wide. So usually it's about the width of a car and then just enough deep ditch. Yes. You know, so the deep ditch comes that's why i wanted it i was like it's got to come into play so we're gonna make clear that it's a if you're not totally there like even driving pulling into your driveway yeah is if you don't hit it right like in the winter or something molly right molly legitimately when she was learning how to drive had a car following really fast close behind her when she was trying to turn and she mm-hmm. panicked and turned and went into the ditch right like so just enough to where she went whoop, down into it yeah. and they had to like get my dad's truck and actually haul it back up it was fine yeah because it was really slow speed but it was still stuck to where she had to get it get help right. to get it out so, so uh picture. he ended up getting his car stuck okay uh so the way that they it, it's a chevy lumina so it's kind of a long sedan um the way they described it was so he pulled off and it looked like he just went far enough to the side that it lifted two of his tires so he couldn't get grip to be able to pull himself back out so i wonder if he was going to turn around in that dirt 
Cause that's, that's the other reason that you use those is you're going the wrong way and mm-hmm. it's a perfect spot to just turn around well and another thing I was kind of curious about that's see and that's okay I'm getting ahead of myself we'll cross that bridge when I get there and why that's what I was wondering if he was doing that too so basically he it was like he was turning into this farm road or the the field Field entrance yep and just didn't hit it right so he was half on it half off it so it like tipped down and he had no wheel traction traction so okay so he got stuck and he had to get out of the car. Mm-hmm. There was no notable damage to the car. They're like easily just pull out and drive it away. So um, was this like 2017? This was, no, this was 2009. Or, or nine, 2009. Yep. Cause he was 19 and yeah. he was born okay. in 89. Um, so he, there were cell phones. Yep. So he had a cell phone. Okay. Uh, so there was no damage to the car. He called some of his friends to try to get a ride first and none of them answered. So then he was like, okay, well, I better call my parents. So he calls his parents, which is funny to me because my first thought would be, I better call Bill and Susan. Right? My first thought going into the ditch is, Thomas, Thomas is in the ditch. <laughs> Even now at 31, it's not AAA, I which I have. It's Dion, Dion. I'm in the ditch. <laughs> But then I think about when that 4th of July that I got in that accident, first thing I did was call you guys to get a ride. Right. And then I didn't even call my parents until I already got my car towed. Everything was taken care of. They're like, why didn't you call us? I'm like, you were there. I was here. Thomas was closer. (laughs) Uh, Lord have mercy. Um, So anyway, so he called his parents for a ride to get home or at least like to get him out or something yeah this wasn't until like 154 so it was like 45 minutes after he went into the ditch that he finally called his parents so he, i think he thought he was gonna be in deep shit yeah and well so if he'd he been really drinking my parents would not have been happy campers if i had been drinking driving drove it into the ditch yeah yeah so, so i could see maybe calling your friends at that point like right hey but also at the same time i think my parents would rather that i call them oh definitely to get things figured out than to try to like walk home or do something that oh yeah when you're drunk and like whatever but so he explained to to his parents where he was because he knew exactly where he was in his head right he was like i'm in a gravel road right along a golf course right next to lint okay Mm -hmm. looks just like the gravel road there that's where I am. And his parents are okay. They get in the car. They go to where he said he was. It's only like a 10 minute drive from their house. So he, they're like, not a huge deal. We'll just get in the car, stay where you're at. We'll mm-hmm. find you. Um, when they got there where he said that he was, he was nowhere in sight. They had mm-hmm. no idea where he was. They're still on the phone with him at this point. They and the car the wasn't there. No. Okay. So they're like, okay. So when I was like reading these things, I'm like, what if this was like a a, a matrix? A oh God, that'd be so freaky. Slip in the t- like in dimensions or something yeah. where he is there, but they can't see him because he's in a different dimension somehow. Oh, that's okay. creepy. I know. The first thing I thought was that I'm like, this is way scarier, th-, but it's not. It's not. It's not that. <laughs> hey guys, so, it's not that. <laughs> it's not that. So don't worry. Don't get freaked out yet. Um. So they got there and he wasn't there. They were still on the phone with him at this time. So 
they told him that they didn't see him and then and he insisted i'm here this is where i am explained it again i'm right next to the golf course this is the road i see the lights like the city glow of Mm -hmm. lint i know that i'm where i am and his parents begin flicking up on and off their lights trying to get see if there's any attention caught like see if he Mm -hmm. sees them at all uh and he can't see them so then he got into his car and began flicking on the lights on and off to see if they could see him nothing everybody's very confused as to what's happening at this point and this is when his parents got really frustrated with him because they're like clearly you're not like aware of your surroundings right now like something's Mm -hmm. up it's not just i left late and was tired and went in the ditch yeah um so he wasn't i'm sorry he okay they were literally on top of exactly where he claimed but he wasn't like anywhere to be found so now they're arguing a little bit and he hung up on them and so then his parents are just kind of driving around in those because again in the country roads you have these like mile wide squares Mm -hmm. right it's like a grid basically pattern throughout the country so they're kind of driving around those squares seeing if maybe he was confused as to what one he was on yeah and they couldn't find him and finally at 217 about 20 ish a little bit more minutes after he hung up they called him back and brandon said that he could see the city lights of lint he's just gonna walk to lint because he can see it he'll just walk straight over to the lights go to his friend's house and they can meet him there that's he was like yeah just meet me in lint okay okay um so when he said that so they had some time so his dad went dropped his mom off back at the house and his dad went back out um and had him on the phone and he's describing what he's going through uh he's on a gravel road he's walking along the golf course Still, it's just, he's like, this is where I am. Obviously, it looks familiar. I can see the golf course. I'm right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So maybe this is another moment where I'm like, maybe he was a little more drunk than he thought he was. Right. Because he could have just been really disoriented and been Mm -hmm. like, I mean, it seems, I mean, how many times did we have people get lost walking three blocks from the bar? Oh yeah. To just the house. You know what I mean? I couldn't imagine being drunk and trying to walk home through the like back roads of the country. I would literally probably just curl up in a ball and go to sleep in a ditch and wake up in the morning sober. Right. (laughs) Right. So he said he was walking towards Lint. He saw the lights um, and he decided that, because just super smart this is one of those moments where i'm like oh my gosh what are you doing no decided to cut through fields no to get to the city faster you never cut through a cornfield you get really you get lost really lost very easily very easily that's my mom said just living at our house where they're at she's like i was always afraid when you girls were little that you would decide to go play in the corn and then i'd just never see you again well, it's very the, when the corn is high. Uh huh. It is. Well, it was what time? Of year Here's was the thing, though. It was corn. May, so it was so just would, starting. Like so they were, they were starting to seed and everything. okay. So then so he should have been able high. to see. Right. So he decided to start cutting through the fields, which not a huge deal when it's not super like foggy, but when you're already like disoriented like that, mm-hmm. a little 
questionable, but you know, go for it. Um, he said that he could hear running water. So he hears a creek someplace. Um, and he kept running into fences. Like he ran into a couple fences on his way through where he had to like climb through them because, mm-hmm. you know, some fields have the ending fence. Yeah. Um, his dad, Brian, wasn't too worried at this time. Uh, he figured that all would be fine. Brandon was safe. He wasn't really lost. He was just confused at the moment um, that by the morning, everything was going to be all right. Um, it's a very tight-knit area, so I mean, even if he ended up having to, like, go sit on someone's porch, like, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the end of the world. Just kind of was, like, whatever. It's not super cold at night right now, because it's May, it just gets chilly. hmm So, not worried about that. He was like, it'll be fine. We're just, this is gonna be a weird story later to tell. Yeah. Uh, at 3.10 a.m., Brandon yells, oh shit and then hangs up the phone or the call is dropped and what brian had said is that it didn't seem like it was dropped or they lost connection because you usually get that like beep at the end Mm -hmm. when that stuff happens um it sounded like the click of like pressing the button to turn it off because this is 2009 it was a button turn off cell Mm -hmm. phone thing okay so he's like it sounded like he just hung up um so brian starts yelling like freaks out at that point because like why did you just yell oh shit and then the phone turned off and then now you're not calling back or answering any of my calls so he's like yelling into the phone he's yelling out of the car door trying to find some like panicking now at Mm -hmm. this point because he's like okay this was weird now it's scary um so he starts frantically calling him back and it just kept ringing it didn't die it's not that his phone died because it, it didn't go and it didn't go directly to voicemail. So exactly. So it just kept ringing and ringing and ringing. But there. So from what I could read, because then I was like, that's is that a possible thing? If a phone is dead, there are some cell services that have it where it rings through a tower into your voicemail. But it's not everybody's. So like mm-hmm. more likelihood that it was just on still. Uh anyway so his parents started calling brandon's friends um and they a lot of them came out and like they searched for him in the area where they thought he was everybody just kind of scoured quick in Mm -hmm. the like early early morning this was like four o'clock in the morning um but they couldn't find the car no trace of him was found there was no evidence that he had been around that area uh at 6 30 a.m the next morning his parents called the police department and said he was missing because they're like well I don't know what else to do and at first the police didn't seem very concerned or interested I mean I kind of get it he's a 19 year old kid like if he wanted to just go and not call his parents back or whatever Right, but the the circumstances are he got stuck in a ditch and was walking. It wasn't like we were fighting and he ran away. Like I I agree, but people like fake their own death and do Mm -hmm. that sort of thing to make it seem that way. So it's like at first they were kind of like, okay, you know, we'll take the report, but they didn't really do much about it. Um, basically, he's not a minor. You got to let him have his own space if he wants to have his own space, but 
he called them. So that's where I'm like, but he called for help. He, it's not that he wanted to have his own space. Yeah. I literally was on the phone with him trying to find where he was. Mm-hmm. He yelled, oh shit. And then the phone got disconnected and now I don't know where he is and I can't find him. And he was stranded in the, in the, in a middle of a field. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and the, the police were like, most likely he had been drinking, ended up at his friend's house, passed out. That's not, oh my God, I would have been so pissed. Yeah. But this is, I mean- his plan was to walk to his friend's house so they're like whatever give it time see if you can get a hold of that friend whatever i don't agree but i can see where it's like let's give it a little bit of time once they started to take it seriously which wasn't too much longer after that during the day when he wasn't showing up his friends were all calling and being like he's not here he's not and here and they still haven't found the car no um they looked into the phone records to figure out where his phone had been pinging off of the towers. Um, 2008, it's definitely doable, but it's not as accurate as mm-hmm. it would be now. Um, he was closer to Canby, according to his phone, which is 24 miles away from where he thought he was. Oh. So he went the opposite direction, which is why I'm like, maybe he did go to turn around because he was like, something, it doesn't feel right. But then when he went to the ditch, he got all nervous and was like, I'm I'm here. I know I'm here. See, this is where I am. So he was probably seeing the lights of Camby, not Lint. Yeah. Okay. Um. So this explains why there was no trace of him where he thought he was. Uh. So now there was multiple counties involved. So this is when jurisdiction issues came into place where they didn't, information didn't get passed along to each other because it's like, oh, we found this, mark that in our Shouldn't stuff, the we found that. police have gotten involved at that point then? You would think so. Um, but it seems like it's a running theme through this, but this is also, I'll get to it. This is also a turning point for some some issues yeah um that are his mom brings up for the state uh so they searched the area where his phone was pinged and they found his car exactly how he described it though it was in another county but it was in like another county so now there are three counties that he's been there's been things in so the tower was in one he's from one and now his car is found in another um and, but it's exactly how he said he's like next to a field this and this you know like everything it literally seemed like it was a very similar setup to where he thought he was so you can see where someone who maybe wasn't completely like with it with it would go oh I'm here because I know this place I know this place um the sheriff of that county said that There was nothing strange going on in the car. Everything seemed to be in order. Um, But because it was on a gravel road, there weren't any tire tracks or any footprints to be followed. It all just kind of got shooken up. So they couldn't really figure out which way he went um, when he first started walking. Well, if he was trying to go through the city lights, I would say that would be the best bet. But if there's like a couple cities within how many miles, Mm -hmm. like you could have looked at either... Um, so from where the car was, they could see a grain elevator light in Taunton, 
which is what they thought maybe Brandon thought was lint. So there was like a bit, one of those big red lights at the top oh, of the yeah. grain elevator. Um, so they followed that course at first to figure out if he went that way. The ground search started right around that tower where his phone was pinged and went out a radius of like four miles. So they just went out mm -hmm. and kind of just went around. Um, so this also includes another county. So there's another one. That's four counties now. That That's he's... four counties that are trying to consolidate their information and figure things out. Uh, they also did air searches and ATV searches, and they brought out hounds. Um, the dogs were given articles of Brandon's clothing to get the scent, and they picked up on it. He took, one of the dogs took him a little under a mile away from the car and then turned, um, went down a county road, and then turned again into a driveway of an abandoned farm. And... Uh, he followed this driveway about a quarter mile. Welcome to country living, a quarter right. mile driveway. <laughs> and then he turned towards the Yellow Medicine River, um, got into the river for a brief amount of time, and then led to a drainage point of the river, turned northbound, went up a gravel road to the boundary line of two other counties. Well, two of the counties, excuse me, and then lost the scent because that gravel road had been newly graded that morning <gasps> so now he just lost the scent there's no more following the scent because it has brand new gravel on it oh no i know i'm like what terrible timing how dare the county do something good for itself right when i Shit. need you to just let it be you know that gravel road had been shitty for years oh yeah and they for finally did it years. and they're like what the fuck <laughs> Uh, so, so overall the, the route that the dog took them on with the scent of Brandon matched exactly what Brandon was saying on the phone to his dad. He hit two fences. The dog stopped about a half a mile or two and a half miles away from the car. Um, and there was running water in the background. Um, after the dog went through the river, it, became a focus of the investigation they were like maybe something happened here where he either fell into the river or something and being it was not like hot at night he yeah. you know it could have been a big issue to fall into the river get wet and then be in the chilly air um uh anyway so sorry i totally like whoop uh along with horses they searched with ATVs on the riverbanks. Um, there was no trace, nothing. They have nothing to follow. He, they didn't find his glasses. Yeah. They didn't find a shoe. They didn't find anything. So if he fell, did something, you would think something would break and or fall out, like his phone. Mm -hmm. No idea. There, that's where they were like, maybe he fell into the river, and that's when he was like, oh shit, and his phone hit a rock or something. And, or it, he couldn't find it after it fell yeah. because he's blind. Um, so the sheriff walked the banks of the river himself for 30 days every single day. Because mm. he just, he felt like he just needed to do something and it's like they couldn't do anything because there was nothing to follow. Right. Um, there was genuinely no trace of him. It's like he vanished. When you hear those things, he vanished into thin air. Mm -hmm. it's like just disappeared 
Um, they also were interested in the watershed that was about six miles from Brandon's car, thinking that if anything had fallen into the water, it would have washed up into the different like ending banks. Um, Did they say to- how deep the river was? When the snow was melting, which it was May, so it should have already been melted, but it's also Minnesota, so it may have been melting. Um, In like that, May what 17th, year was it? What year was it? 2008? Nine? Nine, you maybe? You said nine earlier. Yeah. And I, I know there was a blizzard eight, at the end of April in 2009. Yeah. Well, either way, they said that it could get up to 12 feet deep, this river. when the the snow was melting and it was like at its height as high as it gets during the year okay um so it was it was a pretty raging river you know what I mean Mm -hmm. could be I wonder if he because the dogs went in the river came out of the river walked up the bank and then up to the road and then lost a scent right I wonder if he dropped his phone that's when he said oh shit then he decided he was going to keep walking got up to the bank and went fuck i don't know where i am and walked back down to try and find his phone phone. and fell in maybe 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 and that's that's why not just the the dog had the the road had been graded but maybe there wasn't any more scent to follow because he went back down coincidence yeah that the road was graded um so at this watershed that they said they think anything would wash into there was the dogs did pick up a scent of him, um, but it wasn't like a, so they have their different like tells, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like a direct scent. It was more like a, you could tell they could smell it because they were following it, but it mm-hmm. didn't like, they didn't like sit on the scent. They didn't like, you know, they didn't do their like tells to say that this is specifically where he was. I wonder if they were cadaver dogs though. Like if it was his body, but because he was dead, it smelled different. Maybe. Maybe. Um, The common thought is that Brandon had poor vision, was walking in the dark, tripped, fell either into the river or someplace, either hurt himself, lost his phone somewhere, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe hit his head, became even more disoriented than he already was. Um, And if he fell into the water, hypothermia could have been a factor since it does drop down to like the 40s in May. Yeah. Um, and he ended up just like curling up somewhere and maybe passing away, like of the elements, you know, that's one of the resounding theories where they think that he, they'll find him at some point, but it's probably going to be where he was trying to find shelter. And they never to... drank the river. Oh, they did. They did diving oh. searches. They did all sorts of stuff in the river. They tried to, they did what they could and found nothing. Okay. Um, so searches covered multiple counties uh 45 different tracking dogs came in 35 different handlers from nine different states came in with these tracking dogs um they went on air or in air foot water nothing they can't find anything it's like they put everything into this search that they could and they knew how to and it still didn't come up with anything so Annette proposed a bill called Brandon's Law. This is when this comes in, where it altered the Minnesota Missing Child Protocol, changing the word child into person. Okay. Um, 
so that when someone who isn't technically a child goes missing, they're still able to report it and have like it on record because they like basically were just like, I mean, we'll note it, but he can disappear if he wants to. Like they can have it on record so that it is reported officially. I feel like nobody should legally be allowed to disappear. <laughs> that's just, no, but that's literally just asking for someone to become a criminal. Like well, I can just disappear off the face of the earth and it's fine when it costs like, not that he did this, but I mean, like if I just decided to fake my own death and mm-hmm. disappear, you know, that my parents would spend money searching and the government would spend money searching for my body. And so all of this money, like thousands of dollars was spent in this search that you're wasting because you just fucking, you didn't disappear. You didn't have the courtesy to just be like, I'm fucking out guys and leave. You d- faked your own death and disappeared. That should not be legal. I feel like depending on the circumstance, it should not, if someone's trying to leave because it's an unhealthy situation and they right, literally are like, that's different. I'm just talking and the about state people doesn't know about it. So they off. start searching for that person. You know what I mean? Um, because it's not like the state didn't, necessarily help them disappear they just did it on their own so then the state would start looking if it was something that was reported by just a acquaintance you know yeah um so either way she proposed this bill it also specifies that when a person goes missing the jurisdiction goes like if the initial jurisdiction goes to the county that the person is from so it's not this like back and forth to who should be taking care of this information and then things just sit the like at a standstill. Oh, so like if I disappear in Rice County, Goodhue mm-hmm. County is correct. The the jurisdiction of who like does the research. Right, who does, who the, the information goes to, who, okay. you know, that sort of thing. So that kind of like kills that. So it doesn't necessarily say anything about the state stuff, but I think just the initial stuff goes to that county if it becomes something that the county is like underqualified for we'll say Mm -hmm. money wise whatever wise then it would go to a state thing um it just depends on like what it is too yeah so So they never found his body no they never found him so i he the bill was passed, this, like, proposal was passed in July of 2009, and since then, four other states have, like, put in similar laws into effect where they say missing person rather than missing child. So it's 11 um, years. Mm-hmm. Uh, first theory is that he succumbed to the evi- <laughs> the elements, uh, like I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for that, I'm just like, yeah, if he did that, that's... It makes sense. But I mean, May doesn't drop down like it's like mid fifties. It's not like he fell in the water and then was crawling around trying to find his way. But I would think that they would find it if they did that. That's what I'm saying. You know that that to me is like the least likely. The second half of that sentence is, but without having any sort of evidence of him just laying down someplace. You know what I mean? Like his Mm -hmm. glasses weren't found. His phone wasn't found. They dredged that area like crazy they went through everything and they didn't find any of his like a shoe a 
piece of fabric that ripped off yeah. of his clothes because he ran into something. They had, mm-hmm. and they went into that watershed and there was nothing found other than a scent. Like that's weird. That where else would he have been? Type of thing if he would have just succumbed. So yeah, I don't know. The second theory is foul play. Obviously, that someone he may have like walked up onto that road and someone either just like picked him up and took him or he got clipped by a car and they panicked and took him cleaned up all the stuff that was in the ditch and got rid of his body somehow yeah to like just hide it because they were under the influence or something um very i know what you did last summer right but something (laughs) like that where it's like which also seems that's why there's no more scent there too. It's the same mm-hmm. idea as like he went back. There just wasn't a scent there. So that's why yeah. they lost it. Um, so it's just, it's, I mean, it's unknown. And that would explain why nothing was found of his. Because yeah. if they would have gone into the ditch and like pulled out everything possible that could have been his to just like get rid of so that there was no trace of it. Yeah. Um, How, anyways. You know, what river was it? Do you know? It was the Yellow Medicine. I'm just wondering how far. Cause Yellow Medicine that, River. I'm just wondering how far, like, and wide it is. Because there was that girl who, in they were partying in, like, under the Vidoc in Faribault. Mm-hmm. And they were drinking and she fell in. And they searched for her for months. They had divers going in almost every day and no one could find her for months. And then mm-hmm. they found her body after a huge thunderstorm and the water surges mm-hmm. came up in northfield in the cannon river yeah. like 45 miles downstream right well and there's been a couple things like that too with the um river in rochester where the fluctuations in water all of a sudden they find something that they're like like oh, you get stuck in a tree somewhere else yeah yeah there's like a body stuck in a tree under the water and then the water rises to the point where it knocks them loose and then right. it come, they come to the surface so i'm just wondering if he fell in and went where way downstream where they weren't right who knows man either way his parents okay so this is how he's gonna end it and it's his parents keep a light on for him every night just in oh. case he needs to come home my heart so until they know they say until they know what happened to him and whether or not he's still alive still around they're gonna keep the light on every night for him so that he can make his way home that's so so sad yeah yeah that makes me i sound cold as shit i'm like yeah it's sad yeah it's sad i'm done with my story now (laughs) i am I am, but it was one of those that I, like, stumbled upon because I was like, I wonder if there's more, like, Minnesota things that we just, like, don't necessarily know about. Yeah. And that one, I was like, how did I not know about this? It was literally when we we were were his age. That was a good story. Good job. Thanks. All right. Well. I know. I'm like, I gotta. Amanda's got shit to do. shit together continue to listen rate review share you guys Uh, are the coolest kids around way to way to be awesome you are so good at this pep talk (laughs) way to be cool way to be yourself guys (laughs) and girls um hey listen 
to us uh like us on facebook and instagram yeah yeah send us send us messages yeah oh she went sweden there um i don't know what you're talking about yeah oh i don't know what the fuck that was don't don't alienate our listeners okay you're one to talk (laughs) it is um it is like 90 percent you (laughs) hey shut up all right so facebook instagram comment rate interact like our stuff rate us please uh spread the word spread yourselves all over town and don't ever forget the high price of beaver <laughs> Ew, why you gotta end it like that <laughs> the high price of beaver <laughs> what <laughs>